Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. I'm excited to introduce part two of a special three-part series as One North leader, Kalev Pikna, returns to discuss some of the finer points of a CX strategy, brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. Kalev, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to, to talking again. Um, so first, uh, you know, for those that, that didn't uh, get to tune into the last episode, um, can you tell a little bit about your background and, and what you do at One North? Sure. I'm the chief strategist at One North, which is a fancy way of saying I head up the strategy discipline. That's um, a multidisciplinary team that practice, and it includes CX, brand, um, technology, data, and UX, all as sub-disciplines within strategy. Well, let's, uh, let's dive in here. So first, um, how do you define CX or customer experience strategy? It's a common common question, um, probably with every client that I work with, it comes up in some form. I want to break it down into two parts and actually ask, ask, answer the second part first, which is the what is strategy. That's the um, big philosophical uh, question that's arguably a bit harder than defining CX. But um, the definition I always return to is strategy is relatively simple. And in full disclosure, I've absolutely pl plagiarized it. Um, from John Lewis Gaddis, who is a former professor of grand strategy at Yale, wrote a book called On Grand Strategy. Um, because to me, what what counts as a strategy is relatively simple. There's really just two parts of it. Um, the first part is knowing where it is that you want to go, right? So the goal um, and understanding that with clarity um, and uh, precision. And then knowing how you're going to get there or what the path actually is. Um, and of course there's nuances in that, but really I think anything that has those two parts, you know, uh, an understanding of where you want to go and an understanding of where you want to get there counts as a strategy. So that's the first part of, of, you know, what encompasses CX strategy, the CX part, um, defining it as a little bit more complex, which is ironic because the abbreviation itself, the acronym itself is, is easy enough. It stands for customer experience. You can flip out that first part um, for any number of other terms. You can make it a candidate experience if you're looking at it through the lens of recruiting, employee experience, um, your patient experience if you're focused on healthcare. You can change the person. So really all the meaning is in that second term, the experience. Um, and it's defining that which can get a bit tricky in part because people have come at it from a number of different directions. What we're all talking about in the experience is understanding how whatever you're trying to do or provide, whether that's a product, a, a service, a process, um, is 
understood from both, you know, like a, a literal and then a more sentimental point of view, understood and interacted with by the people who are actually using it. So it's a fundamentally like human centered point of view, the experience point of view. Um, and people have come at it from like the customer satisfaction point of view. They've come at it from a product point of view. Um, they've uh, come at it from lots of different directions, but ultimately we're all talking about that. Really the context in which your product or your service or whatever is actually used on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, got it, got it. So then, uh, you know, diving down a level deeper, so to speak, you know, how do you differentiate between customer experience, digital experience, product experience. Um, yeah. Particularly if uh, a lot of companies these days, uh, a lot of the C a lot of the CX is actually digital and even the product experience is digital. Yeah. So with the caveat that like all those different perspectives, the people that are coming at it, if they're coming at it from technology, product, customer satisfaction, that sort of thing, all of those are valid. I would say that they're all necessarily in one way incomplete right so yeah. customer the customer sat point of view is usually what they're really often talking about is the pros, post product experience right they're really only talking about one portion of it and very often they're not talking about the product and i think that's for organizational reasons mostly because people who are in charge of customer service or customer sat aren't in charge and don't have a seat at the table when it comes to the actual product or product definition Right. 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 So they're talking about how is it used or what, what kind of support can we give people? They're talking about just the periphery, the product people. Similarly, you know, they have a, they have a, a right to stake a claim in customer experience because products and services that they're a big part of it. They're just not all of it. Right. There's the right. entire journey um, up to somebody purchasing or selecting it. Um, the a sort of journey while they're using it and a journey that happens afterwards. Um, so they're dealing with an aspect of, of customer experience. They're just not dealing with all of it. And when it comes to digital, you know, I think we're on a cusp where it is beginning to shift. You know, there is some validity to talking about digital experience specifically, especially for organizations that are really focused on digital transformation. I do understand it, but I think, you know, a number of pundits, and I suppose I have to incriminate myself in that class of people have been saying for years, you know, you, you, you can't really deal with digital on its own for it to really work. It has to sync up with your analog experience. There has to be alignment yeah. between your digital experience and everything else. And I think what's happened um, really within the last, I don't know, let's say about 18 months, um, spoiler alert, is it driven by the pandemic? I think so. Right, right. <laughs> I, mean, I would guess that. But people are now really laser focused on the fact that like they have to line up that digital experience to everything else. And it, it may not be in this context when we're talking about the customer experience, it may not be helpful to draw dividing lines between the digital experience and the analog experience. Maybe we should, at least at this level, this sort of high level when we're trying to understand these people and, and how they're using our products and services, maybe we ignore that boundary for a bit um, and really just try to understand it in human terms. Yeah. So when organizations are trying to prioritize and potentially find problem areas or, or challenges within that, that customer experience strategy, how do you work with organizations? Well, you know, what are some of the questions that an organization should ask when they're, when they're looking to improve um, CX strategy? Yeah, it's um, 
that is another important question. I mean, the first thing, and I think most organizations, if they're not good at this, they know they should be good at this, is just, you know, take a look at the data. Take a look at all the data. I'm always telling people, I'll look yeah. at any data you can throw at us. Uh, we'll take a look at it. And the reason why we cast it so wide is because, frankly, for the most part, people don't always have the right kind of data. Um, so you're trying to usually hunt for nuggets in that. Um, yeah. Right. And that does mean customer satisfaction data, customer service data, product use and engagement data, that sort of thing. Um, within digital, it's it's all the digital, all the data coming out of each of these touch points. Um, the real key, though, is that I think the number one mistake when people make when they're trying to identify pain points is that they go about asking people, what are your pain points? <laughs> I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's not actually a great way to find them for so many reasons. I mean, one, we, we have a habit of putting up with things that are difficult that we don't even really understand are difficult, right? What you'll get, if you ask people, what are your pain points, what you're going to get is an answer to the very sort of immediate mismatch between their expectation and what you act and what you delivered. Is that important? Should you focus on it? Absolutely. But what you're not going to get is any number of other friction areas or pain points that they're not mentioning it because it's what they've come to expect, right? So they're not going to articulate that. So when we help people or when I talk to people and they want to know what their pain points are, you really do have to go it in in an ethnographic way. That's a term of art that people... um, in CX and UX use, it's a bit highfalutin, but what it really means is you have to observe what their pain points are. You, you, you really can't just ask them, right? Yeah. So you have to watch what they do as they explore, prefer, uh, choose it, use it, um, what happens afterwards, and look for those moments of friction and pain points, especially the ones that they're not immediately articulating. And that really comes from like core ethnographic research. And it can be quantitative, it can be qualitative, but whatever it is, it needs to be human centric um, and it needs to be primarily observational. When we talk about metrics and, and KPIs, where, where should organizations start? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're talking about some of the, some of the research and the listening um, should tie in here, but you know, where, where should an organization start when it comes to what are the important metrics that they should be paying attention to? Are there global things that you kind of, that are go-tos that you might often start with? Like where, how do you, how do you work with organizations to, cause there's so many different types of metrics you could probably pull from. Yeah. How, how do you help um, customers prioritize? Yeah. So, you know, again, keeping in mind, it, sh- it can shift a lot depending on the f- that first letter in the acronym, whether you're talking about like customers or employees or whatever. But, you know, there are, there's always some baseline metrics, some key KPIs that, you know, if you're not tracking or looking at, you, you probably should. And, and they're the obvious ones, right? You, you know, if you're talking about customer experience, especially around purchasing experience, you should look at purchases, you should look at revenue, you should look at drop-off rates. Um, abandonment rates, if you're looking in like, you know, a digital cart, cart. Um, and there are analogous, like core best practice type metrics or KPIs that exist for most of those different contexts. Um, as far as the other ones go though, um, and this is really key, especially if you're looking to CX for some kind of, uh, differentiation advantage, some kind of competitive advantage, um, 
which is often where the focus is. I think people want to provide a differentiated experience. They want to provide an experience that's better than a customer's. To get to the KPI, you're going to have to answer the really tough question, which is, you know, so far, Greg, you and I have talked about, like, how do you measure the experience you have? How do you find the pain points? You're going to have to ask a, a, a question that isn't quite so data-driven because it really gets to intent. It's just what kind of experience do you want to provide? Yeah. Um, and you think the answers are obvious, but they're not always, right? Even if we use terms like white glove or user-friendly, you have to dig down. What, what is user-friendly? Is it fast? You know, right. is it cheap? Is it, um, instead, is it like very well supported? Is it a guided experience? Is it interactive? Um, or is it deliberately extremely simple? Is it minimalist? Is it maximalist? Um, you know, these are all terms that you have to answer in order to get to those KPIs. And this is where CX really needs to work with uh, your understanding of your brand, right? So, because ideally you're with the experience you want to provide will be aligned to your brand values, um, to the kind of disposition your organization has in that person's life one way or the other. And you're looking for KPIs that, that measure the kind of experience you're trying to provide. Right. So, um, you know, is it a fast experience is easy enough to measure, but not every brand or organization necessarily should be focused on providing the fastest possible experience. It's just not true. Yeah, I was reading um, a case study of, uh, you know, some telecom provider or whatever that um, kind of to the inverse of that is their their initial customer experience goal was like, let's be friends with the, you know, the customers that call up and let's Mm -hmm. ask them how their day is going and all that. It turns out that costs them a lot of time and, and money to um, to keep these people on the phone and the customers didn't really, they didn't spend more. They didn't, in other words, the, in that, in that case, you know, to what you were saying, yeah. like a quicker turnaround, not only saved the company a bunch of money, but also um, the customers were at least just as happy, if not possibly a little bit happier. So definitely, definitely, um, you know, definitely depends on the the company, the channel, the, you know, all, all of that, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, for sure. Telecom is a, a great example on that experience. You know, the the core question is like, are, are you as a brand supposed to be their friend? Right. Are you supposed to right. be their friend? Is is that the disposition they have towards you or they want to have you towards your brand? You know, it, it probably doesn't make sense for a telecom provider. Would it might it make sense for a retailer, um, especially boat boutique retailer, like in fashion? Like, do they want yeah, I could yeah. see actually see that making a little bit more sense. They might want the person who's providing their clothing to feel, you know, the brand that's providing their clothing to to feel a little bit more like a friend. That makes sense from a brand's standpoint, right? And yeah. so, again, that's that's where like CX, uh, you know, needs to start lining up to those concerns. And if you're really coming at CX like from digital and from product, you may not be used to thinking about that. You may not. You you might be, but you might also not be used to thinking hard about brand as an aspect of strategy in that way. You might've left that entirely to the marketers, but you know, this is one area where it really does become relevant to you, even if you're not in marketing. Yeah. Agreed. So when you, when you think of great examples of companies that, that create great CX, um, you know, for, can you, 
elaborate on some that that you think are doing yeah. a great job and and what differentiates them from from others yeah yeah you know um i knew some question like this was coming so i, I gave it a thought um and i wanted i want to answer two parts like disposite like because i think the contrast is really interesting so um i have a a, a well-known uh internet slash cable provider and I think they're a really good example. And I've had zero problems with the product, right? They're a great example where like the product is fine and the customer experience is a nightmare. Um, and they're like, without mentioning names, world renowned for having a nightmare of a customer experience. I think they're on the list of like America's least liked companies. I might know who they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in contrast to that, because the, what you actually asked me is who has a good one. <laughs> Right. It, I'm going to offer, and I am going to name names here, Domino's Pizza. And um, the big asterisk I have to put on this is that I despise the product. And I'm sorry for all the Domino's Pizza fans out there. Like, uh, they're in my own family and my close friends who are bad because I'm always mixing it as a choice. I don't care for the product um, from Domino, right. that Domino's Pizza offers personally as a matter of my taste and palate. But I can't deny that they offer a really good kind of multi-point customer experience um, that does a really kind of interesting seamless uh, uh, alignment uh, between digital and analog in exactly the way we were just talking about, right? They've yeah, got, yeah. you know, not only do they do some core non-digital things, they make strong commitments, you know, like on delivery time, um, on consistency. I think most people will recognize like it, it doesn't matter um, from where you order that pizza, it's going to come pretty much the same way, right? Like we all know what a Domino's pizza looks like and tastes like, and they yeah. pretty much taste and look like exactly the same. So you've got great consistency in the product experience that, that way. You've got um, this wonderful digital app that I think the genius of which solves again, and what I think must've been like an unarticulated um, pain point, which is that, you know, when we order pizza for delivery, we never, you know, we've come to expect from most people, like we don't know exactly where it is. We don't know exactly when it's going to get here. Um, and they do this app that does nothing more than just surface information that you previously didn't have, um, you know, access to. And it's interesting because do I really need to know exactly where it is at what stage of the process? No, but it solves a part of the, it solves like, anxiety, right? It solves for this anxiousness that's generated by the lack of information and helps generate patience in the people yeah. who are like waiting for their pizza. Cause like in, if they had nothing, like if you go back to the world before this app, you don't know if they, if it's been 30 minutes, if it's taking a long time, you don't know if they haven't started it. Um, right. you know, you don't, or if they're close to delivering it. Right. So you don't know, like, should I be really anxious? Should I be calling on them? Should I be checking on it? Or should I just wait five, 10 more minutes and it's eventually going to show up. Um, right. and it really solves for that. Um, and I think it's great. Like, I think they have a really great customer experience end to end. Um, despite the fact that I don't like their pizza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so, you know, as you see, um, you know, as you're working with, with customers and um, a thought leader yourself in the in the industry, where do you see CX strategies evolving? Um, you know, this year and beyond. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things we're eventually getting out of the the pandemic or you know post pandemic, let's say, and, and things returning to 
um, to some sense of normalcy. You know, where, where do you see CX strategies evolving um, beyond? Yeah, so we, we've mentioned some of the most immediate things, so I won't belabor them. The alignment between digital and analog is a big area that a lot of people have to work on or, and or want to innovate on. I think a lot of companies still have a split sort of analog slash retail experience and then also a digital experience and, and bringing them together is um, going to be a really interesting area to watch and see what innovations people come up with. Um, I think another area of innovation or change is people, um, again, playing around with the first letter and the acronym. Um, so there's been a lot of attention to customer experience. I think the application of this same kind of discipline or point of view um, to uh, other human populations, for the lack of a better word, employees, um, or getting a little bit more industry specific, you know, things like patients, um, who, you know, depending on your definition, are or are not customers, students uh, within education, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's going to be an area where there's going to be a lot of work. I think um, when I think even farther ahead from like the next year or so, um, what I'm be interested to see, and maybe Maybe I'm talking about this as a prediction because it's where I want uh, the focus yeah. to go. But um, I think in the notion of, of real-time reporting, analysis, and innovation on what the experience actually is end-to-end. I think there are people who are talking about it. There are providers who say they offer it but don't quite. But the ability to tie all those data and KPIs into sort of you know, if I imagine it, a, a sort of real life visualization or report on, on what's actually happening in your customer journey. Um, yeah. And to be able to make decisions, um, re- real time decisions um, on that, on the, the journey perspective, um, yeah. I think would be, uh, I, I think there are people who aren't, who are trying to get to it. Um, and I think it's where a lot of people are, are going to go in kind of the next phase. Um, Right now, most customer experience efforts are really, um, they, they happen at points in time, right? We, we take a look at snapshots of data. We, we do our ethnographic research. We take a look at point, pain points at, at specific moments. Um, and then we ideate and propose innovations and make changes based on those. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what can we do to make that more dynamic, more real time, and, and how will that affect the decision making that people do? Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, Kalev, uh, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way to keep up with what you and One North are doing in the CX strategy space? Yeah, they can always check out um, our website at onenorth.com. I'm all one word. We've got a blog that uh, if my marketing team does their job right, they bother me and others to contribute to. I think the great thing is that you'll be able to see, um, you know, not just what I'm out there saying, but what... Um, all the different uh, strategy discipline leaders um, and uh, practitioners at One North um, from strategy, from design and technology um, are out there saying. So uh, I hope you take a look and uh, I hope it proves rewarding. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Kalev Pikna from One North for joining the show. Uh, learn more about tech systems and their perspective at techsystems.com slash version next now. Thanks again for listening. I'm Greg Kilstrom. Thanks again for listening to the Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. 
You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.